Hello, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bacor. This is episode 42, recorded on October 5th, 2022. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? Need to get email at yourdomain.com? They provide professional, feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind. Get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10% with promo code EVREVSHOW. All right, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. As you heard, my name is Kenneth Bopor, your host. Always excited to, to do the audio podcast because I'm, I'm able to get guests from all around the world. And today is no exception to that. Um, I'm very stoked to introduce uh, Mr. Andy Abramson. He's the Global Chief Marketing Officer for a company called Era Automobiles based in Milan, Italy. How are you, Andy? I'm great, Kenneth. How are you today? Excellent. Thank you very much for taking the time to join me on this call uh, and do the recording. Um, I'm excited to see more and more organizations that are entering the EV market space. And for my listeners, I understand that you guys are a privately funded global company and you want to be a disruptor in the automotive ecosystem uh, by using you know, values of Italian design, world-class engineering, and great customer service to leverage the advantages of next-generation EV powertrain packaging and technology. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Did I summarize kind of who the company is a little correctly? I think you just did the whole podcast in 30 seconds. <laughs> well, there we go. Thanks for, no, I, we're going to get a little bit deeper into that. I'm not, not going to let you off the hook that fast, Andy. I appreciate that. But yeah, it's exciting. Maybe you could tell folks a little bit more about the kind of the, the roots and the origins of the company and what you guys are about. We like to say that ERA is the first true pure play from the ground up electric vehicle company to be in Italy. Now, when we say that, there's other companies making electric vehicles now. Obviously, Maserati has been in the news lately with their Gran Turismo, which is going to have an electric version. But that's not a pure play. They came out of the internal combustion engine world, and they are slowly shifting into EVs like everyone else. But as a new company from the ground up with no history in the car industry, that's what ERA is. So we're starting from ground zero. I like to jokingly say that we're an MVNO of the car industry because we're going to buy the best of breed platform, source the best batteries. We've already hired the best designers in Italy who come out of Lamborghini. We hired the best purchasing and sourcing person out of Ferrari. And we keep bringing on great people from all over the industry who want to be part of what's new being caused by ERA. Now, when you look at us, we're really the first company to launch with a vision that's designed to unlock the full design potential that's afforded by cutting edge EV platform technology. It's something that has not ever been seen before. And if you look at some of the silhouettes we recently released of our first SUV model, you'll see how we're seamlessly synthesizing the unmatched elegance of Italian design with what'll be the best in global materials. It's got a monocoque construction. We're gonna have engineering to deliver a real shift change across the entire, what I like to call customer journey. 
And we can do that because we started with a complete blank slate, a clean piece of paper, so to speak. Absolutely. And, you know, you fit a great couple of points that I've been talking about for several years now and doing following the EV market spaces. When you have that ground up design platform, the capabilities from a design and, you know, user experience um, uh, endpoint are, are almost unlimited you know uh, what you can do it's it's beyond traditional OEMs and and auto manufacturing when you have that quote unquote skateboard platform the abilities of exterior design and interior design and use of space are are very much uh, advantageous over internal combustion vehicles and those design elements so it's interesting i know you mentioned the the uh, SUV sport SUV there's a teaser image which uh, looks pretty cool um so you're you guys are looking to put these platforms together, uh, manufacture them in Italy, and then wrap the, the this first uh, automobile um, EV, this uh, higher-end SUV around that and bring that to market. Is that the first couple of steps that you guys are doing? We'll release two vehicles in 2025. Mm-hmm. We've just started to show the SUV off. And over the coming months, people will see more of what it looks like and what it's all about. Um, we were created because there's a need for a step change. And that need for a step change was in design, customer and ownership experience, especially in what we refer to as the ultra premium category for electric vehicles. So we've done a lot of market research and we found that the customer is looking for something more and they're looking for something different. And we're here to deliver that true differentiation in style, performance, engineering, technology, sophistication, really comfortable in-car, in-cabin experience. And I think what when you finally get to see the SUV and then next year, the sedan, what you'll see is how we're redefining the in-car experience as much as we're redefining the design experience. Yeah, interesting. Um, can you talk a little bit more about some of the the ways that you're redefining, let's start with the exterior. What are some of the elements that you guys are looking to capture in the design and into the automobiles that might be a differentiator that we're not seeing today? Well, what's going to be a differentiator, and I think let's start with the exterior, which is how we're reducing the frunk, you know, the front trunk. Research has shown that a lot of people are not using the frunk. So what we've done, and you'll see in the SUV, is we really pushed the cabin forward and took advantage of all of that extra frunk space and made it part of the in-cabin experience. So we've got an elongated cabin, which is comfortable for four um, NBA size power forward. So you know, if you're yeah. in Toronto, you're a Raptors fan, hopefully, yeah. you know, six, eight, six, ten Raptors will be able to sit in the car comfortably along with you. And so we'll have you know five people in the car, but four comfortable. NBA players being able to get in and get out. We've also are using a goal wing like door experience, but it's four of them, not two of them. So it's not just a lift of a door to get in and out. So we redefine the space, which means we really attack the biggest need that people want when they're having a, a long ride, which is comfort. And that includes the passengers as much as the driver. So by moving the cabin forward, by reducing the frunk, we've created a complete in-car experience that's unlike anything else today on the road. Yeah, very interesting. And you did make a good point. Uh, I do talk to a lot of people that have different EVs. You know, I do a lot of public outreach and events. And 
You're right. You know, the, the frunk is not as big as a, a deal as some people make it out to be. Sure, people that have Teslas love the frunk aspect. That's one of the reasons that they they look at that product. But you know, some of the most of the other OEMs, some don't have anything, or they have very very small frunks. You know, I'll, I'll use the the HMC products and Motorport products. They were all very small frunk elements, more of a token just to put some cables and and that kind of stuff in. So. Um, I agree. I don't think that, you know, I've never had one prior to me getting my Model 3 that I have for two years now, never had a frunk. So <laughs> you get used to, you know, utilizing the space that you do have. And I like that aspect of stretching out that interior to maximize the space. And that's quite a bold statement to get, you know, four large basketball players into a vehicle comfortably because um, there's not many vehicles out today unless you get into some really big SUVs like Escalades and, and Yukons and Denali's and these kind of things where you have that kind of amount of space. Even the Lucid Air is a fairly long and, and big platform, but again, it's a lower platform. So um, I think that that's a very intriguing idea, what you're commenting on that use of space. Um, does that, obviously safety is going to be at the forefront of, of every uh, model that you build and design that, that you engineer. So one of the things that EV platforms bring are that you know inherent safety elements of larger crumple zones, increased structural rigidity, you know, because of the pack and different issues there. Obviously, you're going to retain those features and probably enhance them, correct? We'll be able to talk more about that when we go through our engineering phase. But okay. so far, mm -hmm. all of the engineering reviews that have been done tell us that there's nothing on the road like what we're building. Very nice, very nice. Um, and you you briefly touched upon the in-car experience, you know, with some of the rooms. Is there anything else from a design or engineering that you can comment on about what uh, what you'll be putting into that in-car experience that's a little bit different than what we're seeing today? I think the biggest thing is we're all about range reality to remove people from having range anxiety. So range reality is that we're going to deliver a vehicle that's capable of doing 497 miles on a single charge. We're able to do that because we're gonna be 100% carbon fiber monocoque construction, which means we're taking advantage of lighter weight materials that are far more durable. When you think about carbon fiber, it's what the newest Airbuses and Boeing airplanes are constructed of and have been. And they're very durable and they mm -hmm. they can you know take a licking and keep on ticking as a watch commercial used to say. Yep. So because we're building with the best carbon fiber materials and building with the idea that we want to build something that's durable and yet light, we're going to be able to extend the range. And that's today with, with what we know about today's battery technology. I'm a, a technology veteran with you know 56 company exits under my belt and $6 billion raised for real money going back to founders, investors, and executives and other companies. I'm very careful about technology because technology changes very quickly. So today we're saying 497 miles on a single charge, but with what's coming out of uh, the various battery manufacturers from around the world, you're seeing greater uh, battery life. You're seeing larger uh, capacity. You're also seeing shorter charge cycles, getting charging down to potentially under 15, 20 minutes to do a 80% charge of a battery capable of going more than 500 miles. So today we're saying 497, but by the time these era vehicles roll off the salon lots and get delivered to you, we're going to be direct consumer company get delivered to you. That number might be something that's just something in the past because technology changes so rapidly. Mm -hmm. 
you're in yeah, technology. Yeah. You mentioned you're in technology sales when we were yeah. chatting before. You know how much your customers are saying, gee, we bought this in 2021, and now 2022, you've offered me so much more, mm-hmm. but yet I have to upgrade. Well, that's where the cars are today. I, I've been saying, I, it was funny, I, heard, I saw it on a TV show the other night from the U.S. I was watching that someone used the line I've been using since I joined ERA. We have computers on wheels. Very much so. Uh, I mean, you know, Tesla is a perfect example where it's probably more software than than automobile, you know, in its functionality. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing a lot more technology be a main driver for automobiles. I mean, not only in in the user experience and functionality, but, you know, much more superior ADAS systems. Um, and and all this technology that's becoming, I mean, people are, are you know bundling solar elements for some charging, some of the companies. So there's all kinds of different things that people can do, that organizations can do to enhance that technology. And you're absolutely right on the battery side. It is a moving target, you know, what's going on. There are lots of companies that are looking to build, you know, higher density batteries, smaller footprints, faster charging, you know, to to get that ultimate goal of kind of like a gas station experience where some people say, I, listen, I'm only in there in and out for five minutes and I don't want to sit for 20 or 30 minutes. And that's happening. You know, that, you know, the road to, to that goal is, is, you know, we're well down that road and there are companies that have targets to meet that by 2030 or even sooner. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that battery technology changes. And by what you're saying, um, Andy, then that you have the flexibility to integrate that evolving technology as you go through your vehicle design, engineering, and then into manufacturing because of the uh, uniqueness of the platform, correct? Well, that's correct. There'll be a point where we have to make a decision because you have to start to buy the materials and, and the batteries and the rest of the equipment that goes around it, the parts, the, the connectors, the, the charging part, mm-hmm. etc. But to your point earlier about you know, software. When's the last time you you had a computer that was recalled? Mm-hmm. You've never had a computer that was recalled probably in recent memory. I can't think of one since 1982 when I had an Osborne II and the drive <laughs> had to be retrofit because there was a manufacturing defect. And what they did is they took it from single-sided uh, double density to double-sided double density. And I got an upgrade. Well, if you look at cars today, especially EVs that are really computers on wheels, we get software updates. And there needs to be a differentiation between what is considered a recall and what is considered an update or an up software upgrade. Mm-hmm. Because my Macintosh computer would then, in theory, every time Apple issues a patch, that would be a recall. Well, no. They just send me new software. My Mac gets updated. Same thing with your Tesla. So if that's software, on the other hand, if they had to replace the the ADAS system, the ADAS, or if they had to replace the radar detecting systems of how they determine what's near you or the photo cameras and physically replace them because they were defective, that would be a recall. So I think what we're also seeing with the rise of an arrival of more EVs is behavior and understanding as well as terminology and operational definitions will need to change in the automotive industry because the automotive industry has not really changed since the days of the Model T. You're, you're absolutely correct. It is something that I find 
uh, as a challenge every time I'm out talking to to people about EVs. And you know, we've had 100 plus years of of car experience, and that's the way it's been. I mean, yes, there's been lots of advancements in safety and and you know, engineering and being able to get such high levels of horsepower and torque out of such small engines and efficiencies. It's, it's, you know, it's gone very well, but I think we're starting to reach the limits of that technology in internal combustion. And, um, you know, how do you, how do you plan then as an organization to um, change that behavior and provide that knowledge to prospective customers? We're looking at creating one of the finest customer experiences in any industry. Uh, we just spent a good series of months working with Savanta, one of the leading research companies in the world, to develop a deep understanding of what our customers want, who they're going to be, how we can reach them, uh, what their likes and dislikes are. We found some very interesting facts that the audience for EVs, like what Air is going to be making, is much different than what was originally thought of. Originally thought it was male 50 plus making $150,000 a year. Well, based on the surveys that we did and the interviews that were done, our understanding is a lot different now. The age has dropped a full decade to in the low 40s. Sex has become almost identical in preference, male, female, separated by only two percentage points. Far cry from where we were when we put a business plan together about two years ago. Mm-hmm. More importantly, we found that women, especially women um, under 45, really are switched on to wanting to be more aware of the cars that they're buying and to have a different experience. The one thing that wasn't a shocker, Kenneth, nobody likes going to the car dealership. So our (laughs) whole idea of being direct to consumer, something which has been from the very beginning, one of ERA's mainstays was proven correct. So we we got some things proven differently, but we found out that nobody likes going to the car dealer. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, some of the the OEMs are having challenges with their dealers to, you know, make that switch to electrification to properly represent their products. I mean, there is, you know, there's an investment that dealers have to make to be able to not only sell, but support and service, uh, even though service is is more minimal on electric vehicles. But there is still some things that, that need to be done or that could need to be done. So those dealers have to make investments and they could be, you know, six figures uh, investments. It could be seven figure investments. It can be very expensive. So, um, excuse me, it's interesting that, um, the, you know, we are starting to see that dealer change, but it, the how the consumer market has changed over the last five years or so to, to a higher level of acceptance of this direct-to-consumer model or and even online ordering. Who would have thought, if I would have told you, Andy, you know, five, six, seven years ago that you'd be ordering cars online and not talking to anybody, you might have thought I was, you know, out of my mind. But um, that's almost like that Amazon instant gratification experience. It's becoming much more the norm. Are you going to have an online type of experience as well for consumers to look at? Without question, but let's let's talk about the, the dealership model that you just spoke about. Dealers make not a lot of money on the cars they sell, not the new models. They, sell. Mm-hmm. they make money on used cars. They make money on parts and services. EVs have less parts. Therefore, there's less to service. So a direct relationship to profitability for a dealer is the reason the dealers are pushing back against EVs is they make less money on it over the lifetime of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. There's less to service. There's less parts to replace. Things don't go bad as quickly. What do you need on an EV? 
Well, you're a Tesla owner. Brakes mm -hmm. and brake pads probably are this, and tires are probably the two most uh, worn parts on your EV that I would think about other than the door handle. So mm -hmm. and when's the last time anybody <laughs> replaced the door handle? Not, yeah. not unless somebody smashed into their car. So because dealers have less recurring revenue from servicing the vehicles, no oil changes, you don't have all the, they don't make the money they used to. So that's their big challenge right. that the manufacturer is now finally making money. And believe me, manufacturers love this model. Just look at what Volkswagen's doing with Scout in the U.S. Look at how Buick made the statement they're going to buy back 2,000 dealerships. Look at how Ford is bifurcating their entire sales process between EVs and internal combustion engines. You don't think that the manufacturers are thankful of what Tesla did and broke ground. Now they're even looking at how they're making dealerships simply a place where you pick up your automobile. Mm -hmm. Do the ordering online, you do all your paperwork online, your financing online. So manufacturers are making more money and then they're turning the dealer into a fulfillment location. Absolutely. And that's a model that they're going to have to see if that if it works for them. I would also add, though, that and I think you and I both understand that this EV transition to the global marketplace is a decades long transition. We're not going to see all of a sudden all these vehicles replaced with EVs in, in the short term. You're, you are going to get countries and regions that are going to have higher adoption rates and faster uptakes like Norway, as an example, than other regions. But, you know, China's 40% of the global market share today in electrification. They've got a huge auto market. I forget how many, um, you know, uh, uh, light uh, duty vehicles are out there in circulation, you know, in the fleet globally, but I think it's somewhere in the, the 20 millions or, or even a billion. I have to go back and check. So there's a lot of vehicles already existing out there and there's a lot of regions that won't be able to electrify anytime soon. So, I think in some some ways for some comfort, the dealers know that they still have that internal combustion revenue stream for the foreseeable future. And I, will, I would also add that even though governments are putting policies in place of, of banning you know, the sale of, of internal combustion by such dates, I think that's good to set goals because they can map that back into climate change targets and actions. However, I think the market at the end of the day, the consumer market is going to dictate, you know, if thou is going to cut the water pipe off, you know, but I still need water. I we'll have to wait and see. What's your what's your take on that? I mean, you're plugged in more to Europe than I am for, for Matt. How are you seeing things there? Well, you have to look at it from a worldwide global perspective when you're a chief marketing officer for a brand like Era. First, Asia. Asia was a clean sleet of paper because in many countries, an automobile was a true luxury item. It wasn't owned by the masses. Mm -hmm. So when you start to get vehicles that you're able to buy for the equivalent of 10 to 15,000 US dollars or Canadian dollars in China, the uptake has been huge and massive. Uh, you look at countries like Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, as I said, cars were a luxury. Now they're becoming approachable because the price points of these vehicles is within the spending pattern of people who previously took public transportation, or maybe they had a, a motorcycle, a moped. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a lot of, of uh, greenfield opportunity in Asia. Here in Europe, you're seeing adoption because the Europeans are far more environmental and sustainability oriented, something that plays into ERA's mindset very well, because we're all about being 100% sustainable. Uh, 
the the challenge in Europe is the same challenge that exists in the U.S. and in Canada, and for the most part in places like Australia, which is the charging deserts. Mm -hmm. So I was talking earlier about range reality. When a person goes to buy an electric vehicle, you have to think about what's your daily drive with it. How much? How often are you going to need to charge? Where's the nearest charging station? Beyond what you're able to do overnight with a level two charger, which will give you a full charge versus a level one charger, which will take quite a while to top off your car or SUV. So the charging desert is a big issue that's impacting the UK and all of Europe because they don't yet have the infrastructure in place to support as many chargers. In New York, there's more charging stations than there are gas stations mm -hmm. by, a, by a boatload. However, most of those are level one charging points. So now you're needing to see more level two chargers come out and eventually the supercharger networks of level three, where you'll be able to actually get a charge in 10 to 15 minutes and be on your way. Where I live, I, I live in Las Vegas when I'm not in Milan. An EV for me would be good driving around Vegas, but if I have to go to San Diego or Los Angeles where I have friends and family, I can't on a single charge. I would have to stop somewhere and wait up to an hour to get onto a charging point. So range reality is what we all have to think about. Do I want an EV? Absolutely. Will I wait until ERA comes along? Most likely. But I think consciously about the environment. And so I look at range reality as where do I go? How often do I drive there? How much will it disrupt my travel to have to stop and charge once or twice to get to my destination, which is going to take anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour or more, depending on how deep the line is for the charging point versus an internal combustion engine car where I can fill up in five minutes and be on my way. Yeah, you know, it's something that I hear a lot from consumers. And again, uh, you know, I do focus on each consumer's needs and, and experience and, you know, what they're use cases are and your example is a good one because that's a, is a very um, heavily driven route between Vegas and, and LA. Uh, there are lots of EVs that go back and forth. There's you know lots of Teslas. There they can be queues. Mm -hmm. They continue Tesla as an example continues to expand their supercharging network, you know, putting in 20, 30, 40 stall uh, uh, installations because of the the growth. So that that's a higher than probably typical traffic volume. Um, so yeah, it's something that users need to look at for their situations. You know, I would counter a little bit that, you know, if you look at the financial cost savings, of no waiting, waiting that 20 minutes, you know, uh, up to 20 no minutes question. or 30 minutes that you are savings, but some people again, time is, is it's a not all, value as well. <laughs> unfortunately on I-15, it's not necessarily 20 minutes as you yeah. the baker. It's they're yeah. stacked deep on the six charging points, 12 That's right. charging points. Era will solve that. And mm -hmm. because we're going to have the 497 miles at that point, I can drive back all the way down to San Diego, charge up in San Diego and drive all the way back to Vegas mm -hmm. on one recharge, which is why we're happy about what we're doing and why by 2025, we think the realities will outweigh the uh, anxieties. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, the technology is advancing and, and that's, that's the way to go, you know, give them, give consumers that, that again, range reality, that they can count on and that it'll make EV adoption much more simpler. Um, refocusing back on then on what you guys are doing and your steps to get there. You mentioned you're going to have two vehicles. Uh, 
will will come into production and start customer first customer deliveries by 2025. Um, and SUV is the other one more of a sedan style. Or can you comment on sedan. that? Four door sedan, sedan mm-hmm. and we'll be showing that off um, early 2023. Right now, we're focused on the SUV, mm-hmm. and the reason is there's higher demand for SUVs. So we figured we'd talk about that one first. We're quite excited about it. Yeah, you know, SUVs are and pickups are number one sellers here in North America, as you're aware, and and they're very hot commodities in and lots of parts of Europe as well. This SUV, I know you again, you've teased some design. Is this when you say um, is this more of like a mid-size SUV? So um, could you compare that in size to something else? Just to get a sense of uh, physicality there. It's going to be very comfortable. Okay. Going to be unlike what anybody else has seen. Mm-hmm. We're calling it an SUV until I think either we or the industry comes up with a better name to define the category. Mm-hmm. It's about the size of an Audi A8. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somewhere between an A6 and an A8 body yeah. size wise. It's going to, it looks beautiful. And um, I think everybody will be very happy with when when they own one. So you're making steps to get that into production in the next three years, which isn't a long time. It's a, it's a big big thing to do. Um, you mentioned that you're going to open a, a direct to consumer model. So I take it you'll have some showrooms, um, sales type outlets. Again, that will mainly be for education test drives. Uh, you know, uh, and and deliveries uh, facilitating that. Um, do you have a rollout plan as far as regions and areas that you're going to start providing these products to? We're going to focus on the U.S., U.K., uh, Europe will be Italy, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, the Benelux countries of Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. After that, we're looking at the GCC, the Gulf states, as well as Asia. Oh, okay. We may expand into places like Norway, which you mentioned earlier, and others. But for right now, it's a North American focus, a UK focus in the English language, and then the Benelux countries, Germany, Italy, the GCC, and Asia. Great. Very aggressive uh, plans, and, and there definitely is the market space for that. Um, finally, just wanted to get into... Um, servicing, I guess, are you going to have similar elements of a mobile service offering for that and, and or maybe some partnerships with service centers in different regions uh, and possibly a combination of, of opening your own? What's your plan there? Um, the plan initially is to work with third-party service providers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't defined exactly who they are yet. We're constantly looking at it because once again, it's an industry that the market is changing. Um, as I said earlier, with parts and services, sales are going to eventually decline. You may find new models springing up of how those service bays are being u- utilized. You also have new companies springing up like Open Bay, uh, your mechanic uh, in the U.S. that provides services. Not that we're talking with them, but when you look at the overall landscape of what's going on with companies like Pep Boys, Midas, um, you know, as someone who has two vehicles that regularly get serviced. The dealer is, for one of them, is is not an option. The one under warranty is. But you have to look at how things over the horizon are changing. And in the area of auto servicing, there's already a lot of advanced trained mechanics and more 
mechanics coming out of technical colleges and universities who are being trained on EV servicing. And like I said, because they don't have that many parts, they don't have to know that much. They just have to know what they have to know. So I would expect you to see some very unique business models from not only ERA, but from other EV manufacturers coming to market over the next three to four years as this whole industry reshapes automotive. Yeah, it absolutely will continue to do so and has already as some of the points that we've discussed on how this industry has shifted. So it's definitely made a, an impact, um, a disruptor, but in a positive way, not a negative way. Absolutely. Uh, one last thing, do you have any anticipation of, of an MSRP pricing point? I know it's early. Uh, you mentioned some of the target markets uh, that you're going after from some of the demographic stats from based on the surveys and interviews you've done. Yeah, you know, this is a higher end luxury brand. So I'm taking it that it will compete in that higher end luxury market, correct? Correct. We're looking at price points of 160,000 to 180,000 US dollars for the vehicles. There'll probably be a few SKUs of each. Um, we're still evaluating how many of those we want to do of the sedan and the SUV, but the prices will range for them uh, because they're built on similar uh, platforms with mm -hmm. similar parts and everything, we're able to really achieve some economies of scale. So we're looking at that price range of 160 to 180,000 US dollars. Yeah, and that that is at that that luxury um, price point. So you know that's not out of whack to what we're seeing uh, for other products out there. Um, and I take it you, you mentioned the batteries and some of the supply chain earlier. So obviously you're looking to form partnerships with some of those cell manufacturers, whoever they may be, there's there's a lot of leading ones uh, globally and, and you know guys that build motors and things like this and, and wiring harnesses and all this stuff. So I take it that that's consuming some time to get all that in, in a range. You're not looking to build some of those yourselves, correct? No, we're looking to do best of breed. Like I said, mm -hmm. the MNO of electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. You Absolutely. buy the best, you put the best together and then you have the best product on the market. And that's what ERA is going to be the best of the electric vehicles in the ultra premium category. Yeah, no, it's a great plan and that, that's a great approach to it. Um, anything that I missed then asking you, Andy, that you wanted to just highlight again on the on the organization and where you guys are going? Founded by uh, Hazim Nada and Sandro Andriotti. They both are pilots and skydivers. They own <laughs> Aerogravity, which is the most successful vertical wind tunnel mm. here in Western Europe, where we all love to go fly and imitate Superman. Yeah, um, they're, they're passionate about this. Hasim has funded this company and continues to do so. Um, he has a clear vision, and it's a vision that we all share, which is just to make the world a better place without oil-powered vehicles. Well, you know, I always like to hear that because that is the direction we need to go in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the few areas that consumers have a direct impact into greenhouse gas emissions. You know, I, I say to people, I can't control necessarily how cement is made or deforestation or agriculture or some of the other, um, obviously, oil refineries and things like that. I can't control all that to a degree, but I can certainly control what I drive that directly impacts greenhouse gas emissions by what they emit. And, uh, you know, EVs can make a great choice for a lot of people as we continue to grow. Um, so I want to thank you very much again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me and introduce myself and my listeners to uh, Error Automobiles. I think it's exciting times. I look forward to, uh, I think I'm on your email distribution list now, so I'll get, I'll get the updates when they come out. And hopefully 
one of these days, maybe next year, I, I do plan on trying to get over to Europe and, and maybe get a chance to meet and see some people when you guys get a little closer to to production and have some uh, some I guess pre-production prototypes and this kind of stuff. I, I you know when you start doing I guess the the car show circuit or whatever you plan to do from a marketing perspective. We'd love to have you come over to Milan and, and take you flying in aerogravity and give you the whole background on what's up with aero. By the time you come over, we should have our sedan already revealed and, and visible. And maybe, just maybe, the prototypes will be available too. But I want to thank you, Kenneth. This was a great interview. You asked so many good questions and you, know, even you were so well prepared. And, you know, I've done these type of interviews all my life and it's so nice to work with somebody who was able to just ask the right questions and has actually put thought into what they're asking me. So thank you very much. And thank you for being a voice in the electric vehicle community because we need more like you. Well, thank you for the compliment. I, I try to do what I can and keep it real. And for those listeners that want more information, you can check out your website at uh, era.com. That's A-E-H-R-A.com. You can get all the information and sign up for their distribution list and interest listing and get everything. So again, thank you, Andy. Take care and stay safe. And I look forward to uh, further conversations hopefully next year. Thanks again for listening, folks. You can email me if you have comments. Email at ev revolution show at gmail.com follow me on twitter at ev rev show i'm also on instagram ev revolution show and if you uh, have any suggestions for shows please let me know thanks again for listening and please everybody stay safe and until the next time i'll see you when i see you mm-hmm.